This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. Park life. <laughs> Darren Neville's innocent. to a very special episode of Game Time. So we've decided, I don't know why we've decided to do this, Alan, but we've decided to go through three games of a Premier League preview, but play FIFA whilst we talk about it. That'll either go well or it won't. It's a good Thoughts? format. I'm, I'm mic'd up to the gills. I feel like uh, I feel like Gary Neville right now. I'm very excited. <laughs> Gary Neville with a cup of coffee in his hand. Right, so let's kick it off with Tottenham versus Chelsea, the big game of the weekend. Alan, as your guest, who would you like to be, Tottenham or Chelsea? I'm going to go with Tottenham. Oh, so. I prefer the way they play, to be honest. I enjoy playing them. So, this is our first game back after the international break. Chelsea-Tottenham, the big game. First up, where do you see it going? Pick, pick the white kit. Well, yeah, I'm going to pick the white kit. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Tottenham had a few good performances from England players over the tournament. Deli Alley did okay, didn't he? Carry Kane kept the goals, kept the goals going. Um, yeah. First goal for Harry Kane for England in over 700 minutes. It was his first goal for this country since scoring against Colombia in the World Cup. I did not. That's that's a pretty heavy drought for for Kane, isn't it? Oh. But I guess then again, in the meantime, they, we have played some pretty good teams. I mean, there has been two games against Spain and two games against Croatia in the meantime, isn't there? Yeah, so. true. Um, if you want to catch up with any of the international break, go catch our late our last podcast on the uh, UEFA Nations League. Lots of goodies in that one, and a few throwbacks to Tim Cahill and Joe Cole for some reason. Don't know why, but. Let's talk more about this Chelsea Tottenham Sissoko game. Sissoko can piss off, by the way. I'm not putting, <laughs> I'm not putting him in. Um, Chelsea, of course, still unbeaten in the league, as are Liverpool and Man City, who we'll get onto probably in a little bit. How do you feel this game is going to go? Chelsea playing away from home, playing the style that they like to play. Do you think that will, uh, will play into Tottenham's hands or not? Well, I think Chelsea probably didn't want the international window to come. Because they were in such a good... Such a good place. I think I've said before. I was, we've all been shocked by how brilliant Sarri sort of trans transformed the team, um, and they wanted to keep that going. Tottenham, on the other hand, probably the opposite. They weren't in a particularly happy moment. I know they're quite high up the table, had a pretty good start, but I think it, a bit of time away will do in the world of good. This would be a big test for Chelsea. Mm. Um, Spurs at well, it was at home at Wembley, <laughs> um, but they have sort of settled in a bit more now. Um, I don't know, is the pitch any better, by the way? Oh, what, after the horrendous NFL mm. just, just ran the, over the it? Joshua fight. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about the Joshua fight, that ring-shaped hole in the middle. I've said um, that the England game was there, wasn't it? And it wasn't, yeah, and it looked... It, it, I suppose that much I wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> I did, it wasn't noticeably bad, though, was it? No, no, and, and I think that Tottenham will, I think, be kind of eager to, to play Chelsea because, like you said, Chelsea, before the international break, sort of stumbled to a nil-nil draw against Everton, and I know that Everton oh, are... Oh, I need to change my controls. <laughs> um, I know that Everton are... were in a good, vein, rich vein of form at the time and and played well against Chelsea, but they could have scored. And I think Chelsea are one of those teams that, at the moment, for all that they're, all the good that they're doing, they do concede a lot of chances. You have no idea where you're going, do you? No, what is press, this? Press B. Press B. B. And then go to customise controls. I, I haven't played FIFA in some time, by the way. Which is, <laughs> is going to make it even more embarrassing when I... Um, when you absolutely when I only me. lose by a goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, yeah, as I was saying, Chelsea obviously drew 0-0 before the international break with Everton, who were in good form, to be fair. They're, I'm not going to say that they were, they're a bad team and Chelsea should have absolutely bulldozed them. But the way that Chelsea play, yes, they're still unbeaten. But whether or not they're playing oh that's wide whether or not they're playing to the best of their ability or just getting fortunate I, I, I don't know because you look at the and not to be biased the game against Manchester United they dominated for early spells but then got pegged back and then scored a late equaliser um, Arsenal at the beginning of the season could have gone either way because they were in a sort of a 2-0 lead and then, and then let it drop that's 1-0 to Danny by the way See, I was going to go with Humble and just not mention it, but um, but you, you decided to. Oh, you need to give them context. <laughs> um, it was a scrappy goal. I very much dominated the early play. You um, did. Very much what I can see happening in the actual game. All the possession and maybe Tottenham uh, squandering chances. I've chosen to go with Son, by the way, over the uh, well early season form of Mora, but he's sort of, sort of drifted off again, hasn't he? As, as of a lot of Tottenham, to be hmm. fair. It seems as if... They just have these periods where they just drift off. And and that's fine, because normally they had Harry Kane absolutely bailing them out, but he hasn't scored in a while, or at least he hasn't hit that that classic Harry Kane form that we've we've come to love in the Premier League, where he'll go a couple of games without a goal, and then he'll bang seven goals in three games, and it'll be fine again. Um, and Tottenham seem to be coping at the moment without him, but you feel like this is going to be an absolutely massive test if, if he's not up to scratch. Tottenham might struggle. Oh, and he's oh, he's gone for the the cheeky chip, and it's and it's um, not happened. How, how do you think? Considering that, I think Tottenham are doing pretty pretty well. Firstly, they're not blessed with a massive budget. It's been you know very well reported. Tottenham haven't spent a huge amount, haven't made any signings. Hmm. But and also, what's been widely publicised is that there are a lot of players go very far in the World Cup. Yeah. And I read a stat, stat the other day that of the ninety six or so. Uh, players in the Premier League that went to the World Cup, 50 have had injuries since. Incredibly high percentage, what, over 50% of those players have had an injury at some point this year, and which is going to mean they potentially at some point aren't playing up to the standard they should be. Yeah. And, and to, this that's going to affect Tottenham more than anyone, really. Well, the whole talk of Harry Kane being fatigued seems to have just disappeared now. Like Early season, that seemed to be all the press could talk about, and that, that's gone away, but... That is definitely a foul on the edge of the box, but I will take the advantage. Oh, Morata, and Morata misses from five yards. But yeah, that early season, oh, is Harry Kane fatigued? 
the Tottenham side do look like they are suffering with a bit of it, and they've got injuries, which doesn't help. But one player that has stepped up at, at the moment is Musa Sissoko. He's done a job when needed. I know he's not on the pitch for you at the moment, but he has played quite decently. So do you think that Tottenham are going to just let Chelsea control possession, even away from home, and just try and hit them on the counter? Or do you think Poch has got a, a different plan? Difficult, really. Um, I don't think Poch changes his style too, too much, mm. regardless of opposition. I mean, we saw that you know, in the past against you know Real Madrid, and, um, where they really took the game to them. Uh I think Chelsea most likely, yes, will have the share of possession with, you know, Jorginho sort of in, enjoys to... Uh, Just dictate play. Um, yeah, so, they'll, yeah, they'll probably have the lion's share of possession, but um, ah, I don't know. Where, where do you see this one going? I'll be honest, I, the, the way that both teams are playing at the moment, I can't really look past it, just stalemating. I think there will be goals, but I think it will just be a one-all draw, to be honest. I think Chelsea, again, unbeaten, and, and that's fair, but but they have drawn a few games and and concede chance. And I think that's the big thing. Like Compare them to City and Liverpool, who are both unbeaten at the moment. Liverpool and City feel like, even on a good day, against them, you'll still struggle. Because of the way, that's 2-0. And that's a wonderful that, finish. Up that's a refle- oh, it's a very good finish. Um, I'm, I'm not doing well here. <laughs> um, but I think that's a reflection yeah, yeah on their defences, certainly. Mm. And although Chelsea, like you said, have done very well, I'm still not overly, overly confident about their defence. Mm. Um, David Luiz, you know, although his attacking strengths are there to see, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if his defensive quality is quite there. And, and Rudiger, probably the same, mm. really. Um, but you know it shines over that with the amount of goals they're scoring at the moment yeah and I I feel like we're not I don't want to give Chelsea a hard time because they have oh, played I, I think they're brilliant yeah oh, they're, they're brilliant. a fantastic team and the fact that Sari has been able to pretty much seamlessly move his style of play straight into the Premier League without any real problems because they're playing so well but you just feel like of the top three if you're saying that they're going to chase for a title they just, they I'm just struggling. lack. I'm struggling. <laughs> Hazard again. They, they just lack. I feel like when they come up against the big boys, i.e. your Tottenham's, i.e. Your, your Liverpool's, your Man City's, they will struggle with just keeping them out. You saw it against Liverpool earlier in the season. Yeah, they beat them in the cup. Came from behind. When it mattered in the league, Daniel Sturridge had to come up with an absolute blinder. But there were chances there for Liverpool. There were, but I think they coped better than a lot thought they would. Mm. Um, certainly, and I think they were dismissed early on, weren't they, after the result against City in the Community Shield. But I think that maybe was just a bit too early. Oh yeah, Sorry. I, I don't think it's a tough game yeah. as well. First game of the yeah. season. First game of the season uh, against arguably the best team that has ever played in the Premier League, and so soon after you've taken over, I. I don't think any manager can really be judged on their performance in a community shield. See David Moyes winning it with Manchester United and then doing absolutely nothing after that. Listen, ask Mourinho. It's part of the treble. (laughs) Oh, everything's part of the treble for Mourinho, though. He just keeps making up different trebles. Uh, 3-0, we're just into... Free kick if I ever saw it. Definitely not. Yes, it is 3-0. 
tough first half, questionable refereeing decisions. Um, goalkeeper's not on form. You know, it's all against me. Don't don't feel like it's going to be this dominant for for Chelsea at Wembley. Um, do you think he'll start with Alvaro Morata, or do you think he will start with Olivier Giroud? Of course, Morata. I'm not sure if you saw it during the international what? break. <laughs> <laughs> Missed an absolute sitter. And, and at first glance, I thought, oh, it's, that's unfair. It's come at him really quick and he's got stuck under his feet. It didn't come at him quick and he just got the wrong foot on it and uh, and just shanked it wide. But who who do you think is is the long term, if either of them are, striker for Chelsea? I, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's interesting. But that, that miss, by the way, you look at it and think, it's honestly so much harder to miss that than yeah. it is to score. And you feel sorry for players when that happens because it happens to the best of them sometimes. But I seem to remember Morata's had this a couple of times mm. now. I'm not sure. There's a bit of a highlight reel going. Um, so that's that's maybe quite worrying, his decision-making. Because I, I think you give him too much time on the ball, he seems to make errors. Mm. It's worrying that if you don't give him any time on the ball, <laughs> he makes errors as well. Um just error prone and yeah. maybe it's just Spanish Chelsea strikers mm. Fernando Torres showed multiple times oh my goodness it's absolutely shanked that over uh, Fernando Torres showed multiple times especially in that game against Man United that it, you can maybe have too much time for an mm. easy chance um, absolutely but I, I feel like neither of them is the long term answer for, for no. Chelsea the, no Giroud certainly isn't the no. type of player that Sarri's screaming out for in his team is no. it it's not the archetypal player. The Sarri's game or the game he's trying to impose doesn't really involve that hold-up man or a target no. man. No. All, all those things that Giroud offers. And I know for a team like France, which plays some great football and still still relies on Giroud quite a lot, but I'm not sure that's the vision Sarri's got. Um, no. So, yeah, long-term, I don't see him lasting too, too much longer. Having said that, he's very useful to have off the bench and as a plan B. Mm. Oh, definitely. I mean... If you if you look at Sari's time in Naples, he started pretty much with with a smaller front line. You had Dries Mertens, who he converted to his centre forward because that's the type of player he wanted. But he did have the likes of Milik off the bench um, to come on if he needed a big man. <laughs> uh, if you if he needed a big man, and yes, Milik was very injury prone and, and wasn't always fit, which probably is the reason Sari had to start with Mertens, but. There is an answer to the question of how did Chelsea go about it, and I feel like Sari is the man who will answer that in January. I think it will come that soon. I don't think he's he's in the mood to mess around, especially with the way Chelsea are playing. If if they're still in the title hunt come January, why why would he wait? Why would he wait to sign another striker? That's true. My controls haven't changed. This is sabotage. Have they, have they not? <laughs> Oh, no. Right, this game is null and void. Just the 4-0 with uh, 67 minutes to go. Absolute cutting-edge podcasting here. There's just hearing buttons being clicked and, and conversations being had. I don't think I saved. Ah, is that probably why? But for the rest of the season, just uh, as a general look ahead, what what have, what are you expecting from, from both these sides? Because, I mean, I, it sounds harsh to say, but Tottenham look very unlikely to make it through to the next round of the Champions League. So most likely will drop into the Europa League alongside Chelsea, who are playing very well in it. Well, this could be quite a strong Premier League showing, couldn't it? Hmm. In the Champions League, especially with how competitive it's likely to be for top four places. 
I think you're going to have your, your Chelsea's Arsenal. Maybe not Chelsea because I think they're going to. I think they're going to be in that third spot quite solidly. I would say. Yeah. But um, I think it's quite likely that uh, City, uh, Tottenham, and Arsenal and Chelsea are going to be pushing quite hard for that Europa League. Um, and I don't know about Man, Man U are quite safely through now past the group stage. I know Europa League for them, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be quite quite interesting in that Europa League. Well, you say that it'll be quite interesting. There's a potential to have Arsenal, Chelsea, oh, an all English final. Spurs, Dan Burnley letting the side down. Exactly. Like you, you could, we could see a North London derby in the in the Europa League final potentially, yeah. or we could see a London yeah. derby and. And you say Manchester United are safely through. They're, they're in second, but a dodgy result away uh, at home to young boys or a, a dodgy result away to Valencia. I mean, that would be sensational. If they, if they don't get through from now, <laughs> I mean, all the, the Mourinho reaction will be pretty special, wouldn't it? Uh, but no, I think... No. Nah, pretty safe. If you're if you're gonna be a betting man, then uh, score Tottenham versus Chelsea at Wembley. Well, we've got four nil on the board at the moment. I'm not sure it'll be quite <laughs> quite as quite that bad. No, I'm gonna go a two all. You've gone for a cheeky chip from the edge. I didn't all. mean to do that. Right, this controller <laughs> is mucking me off. <laughs> um, okay, two. So we've both gone for draws. You've gone for a slightly higher score draw. This game is just coming to an end now. Um, couple of minutes left as N'Golo Kante runs through, finds Eden Hazard at the back post, who rainbow, f- no, doesn't rainbow flick, tries to rainbow flick. It's that cocky he's doing commentary. <laughs> got to give something to the listeners, got to give something to the listeners. Well, uh, this is my first game in quite some time, and I have certainly not lost my touch. I'm surprised. Absolutely shocking. Surprised you went for, uh, for Spurs, to be honest. Chelsea are kind of seen as the better team on the game. But oh, it's Harry though. Love a bit of Harry. <laughs> Harry Redknapp also in the jungle at the moment. We'll keep you updated with. Where he, have you seen his, some of his stories? Um, he's he's come up with a couple of great ones. He's so. come up with some absolutely fantastic stories. Uh, the most recent one being uh, he said hello mate to Prince Harry because he thought he managed him. Uh, he's like, I think he was sitting down on a bench in an office somewhere, and he was like, "You're right, mate," and uh, turned out to be. <laughs> Prince Harry, so that brings an end. Is that more worrying than I think? Yeah. he just lost his marbles? I probably lost them a long time ago, let's be honest. Right, so that's game one done and dusted. Chelsea win it 4-0. Let's move on to game two. It's Fulham versus Southampton. Oh my goodness. Who would you like? Do you want to be Claudio Ranieri or Mark Hughes? Southampton are absolutely pony. (laughs) I'm going to be going with Fulham. Oh, that... I feel like this is going to be a, a game of so many goals on the game, and in real life, Fulham are going to lose quite heavily. Um, not saying that Ranieri isn't going to make an impact, but it's his first match in charge. They've been on international break since he took over. How much of an impact do you think that he's going to have on this team now for this game and then in the long term? Well, he would have had quite a lot of the, well, a decent amount of the players. Back training, I assume. Not yeah. all of that Fulham team are international. Yeah, internationals are they? Obviously, Big Mitrovic up front would have would have gone away with Serbian duty. Uh, but hmm, I don't know. One thing that's been highlighted is that Leicester 
although they did at the start, did not ship a lot of goals towards the back end. Mm-hmm. And when he went to France to manage Nantes, was it Nantes? Yeah, yeah, Nantes. Um, he shored their defence up a bit. Um, and uh, at Chelsea, they were they were quite tight at the back. And that's that's all Fulham need at the moment. It's, yeah. it's a given that they might score a couple of goals and they play quite attractive football and have done in the Championship. But yeah, they, they need to stop shipping goals. So it could be could be good. Oh, I, I love seeing him back in the Prem. Yeah, it's, it is good to see him back. I mean, it, to be fair, it's not going to be too hard for him to stop Fulham shipping goals with the amount of goals that they're conceding. Any sort of drought in conceding goals will be uh, will be a massive upturn in form for them. I can only assume he's worn down that fake bell to a nub now. <laughs> that dilly-ding, dilly-ding is just a dilly-ding. muffled screaming. <laughs> Please stop clicking me. I can't take it anymore. You're gonna have to change your controls again. Um, but by no, well, it's just been replaced by Ranieri's lost his voice now because he's probably. <laughs> I don't know what um, Yukanovic was doing, but uh, he's certainly got a lot to work through. I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, of course, because it happened during the international break, but Yukanovic wins the sack race, essentially, for a first manager sack. Is is that a surprise in the end? No. no, no. Look, it's tough, because I think it it was very... It's almost similar to um, the Ranieri sacking. Last year or the year before, it's like the Fulham fans were massively appreciative of what Yukanovic did. They they came up from the championship playing good football. But it's just it's twelve games in now and they've spent a hundred million. Mm-hmm. They had to you know, someone's got a blink and it's been them first and you know, it's um I think it'll be a, a good move and it'll keep them up. I could maybe couldn't have said the same if they had uh, stuck with Start with Ukanovic. And sometimes it's not about the manager, it's just about changing it up. Yeah. Just, just a different setting. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's tough tough for him, but it just had to happen. Um, what will be interesting, I think, will be why this corner isn't being taken. Uh, what will be interesting will be to, to see how how they start approaching games. Because you mentioned they were shipping goals at the back, and, and and that's well known. I don't think we need to labour that point too much. They were shipping goals for fun at times. But if Ranieri has got more of a focal point on defence, is it just going to be a case of, well, we've stopped conceding goals, so now we're going to win games? Or do they actually have to do more everywhere on the pitch? Because I feel like Fulham have gotten away with the fact that they're just shipping goals as that being their only real issue. Oh, sure, but Thomas um, Askew, you look at um, Benitez's Newcastle, mm. they don't ship many at all. They don't lose by many goals. And as a result, when it comes down to it, for goal difference-wise, they're always going to be safe. Mm. Um, and and he does get a few sort of nil-nil score draws. And those are valuable come the end of the season. Um so yes, they do probably need to be a bit more fluid in the attack, but I th- thing is, I think they've got the players for that. I don't think they need too, too much training when you've got sort of Sessegnon, Seri, yeah. and Big Mitro as a target man. Um, he has dropped off a bit, yes. by the way, since the start of the season, but he's on good form for Serbia, so you know, Fulham will hope that uh, he can bring a bit of that back. Yeah, they'll need it for, for the season. He's, he's got five goals this season, which, you know what, for a team that is 
fighting relegation and will be fighting relegation, it seems, for the rest of the season. It is decent for this point in the season, but but he has dropped off a bit in the last few games where, where Fulham re- have really struggled. What I think will be be nice to see in Ranieri coming back is is how how the fans see him because he he went out at a point that a lot of people felt like it was really unjustified <laughs> the fact that he'd yeah. won a Premier League title with Leicester and then yes they were playing bad football but but still got sacked yeah I think some people thought he had enough stock that he could get him relegated and and shouldn't be anymore but the fact is it's a money game now mm. and there's no room for sentimentality no and they were in a bad position any other manager would have been sacked at that point so you why? shouldn't have yeah why not him I think it was the issue like a weird Balotelli mm. why always him but in terms of sacking is um, is second to the sack race going to be the other team playing in this particular FIFA game uh, Southampton <laughs> you know what I, they I think Ryan found a, a stat a couple of weeks back that they'd created the second most chances in the league or the third most chances in the league behind City and Chelsea, and just genuinely cannot convert any of them. And and didn't, that, didn't they have twenty six shots against City? Yes, uh, well, four, some, fourteen shots on target, I believe. So yeah, which is which is that's bonkers. Bizarre. Unless they're just taking pot shots from nowhere. I I don't know what I, I only saw the highlights and I didn't get that feeling. No, I felt like there were actually some. Well, there were some go buys there. There was some. Bye, see. Oh, he's put over the bar. Uh, no, I, the thing is, I've watched Southampton a few times this season, and I, f- I feel like there's just it's always the final ball. And I know it's so cliche to say they're just missing that that final ball, but the the pass is there. The pass for setting someone up is there. But I feel like they're just afraid to make one more pass when all they need to do. I think it was a few weeks back when they they drew nil nil with Newcastle, and. Elianusi had an absolutely golden chance to just play the ball across the box to his teammate who would have had an easy tap-in and for some reason just decided to shoot from a tight angle. Those sort of things, yes, I'm maybe nitpicking at at specific chances, but if you are fighting relegation, those are the sort of chances that you need need. to be taking. You can't can't be hoping that... Is it coaching, though? It was such a brilliant attacking player, Mark. Yeah. So I just think that... And, and, well, they're not particularly performing defensively or attacking-wise, but you'd think he'd be able to impart some sort of knowledge on, on the attacking side. You'd oh, hope. Oh, that's, that's a one bullet there. header from, I don't know who that is, Elianusi, because Elianusi is very tall. Um, yeah, it's odd. And, and one thing that I've always found quite fascinating, to be fair, because when you look at players in their heyday, a lot of them, yes, not all of them go into management, but of the ones that do go into management, they normally, and, and feel free to disagree with me on this, they normally tend to specialise in what they were good at as a player. Like, Zidane made that Real Madrid team a very fluid attacking style, but were very balanced defensively and, and, and dominant. You look at the likes of Gattuso, who just made his, his every his team... His Milan team is fluid and flowing. Though. No, 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 no. He's just made his Milan team kick the shit out of everyone and not maybe play the best sort of football, but just they grind play, away they results play, at the they moment. They play some good stuff. They play some all right stuff. Oh. But yeah, Simeone. Simeone. Dogged. That's a perfect example. Dogged. He's made that Atletico Madrid team very impressively challenge and consistently for a La Liga title. But I feel like Mark Hughes, 
from what I remember him, Stoke, I don't feel like they were a very good attacking talent. They very much relied on the likes of Shakiri and Alaovic to, to dig think, them out. I think briefly he managed to... I say transform a team. Basically, he took it away from that Pulis style. <laughs> Well, yeah. And what that really meant was they slowly forgot how to defend. And all that <laughs> knowledge that, you know, one one thing you can say about Pulis is he's good at organising a team. Yeah. And that slowly faded Just away like... over the course of a few years, um, which was seen as maybe Mark Hughes transferring, transforming them into a more you know, passing side. But I think in reality, he wasn't. I don't think he has a lot of value added, to be honest. No. And I, I mean, I was very surprised when he got this job to, be, mm. to begin with. It was that. You know the manager merry-go-round. Yeah. Of you know your Allardyces, Hodgson's. <laughs> every um, pod, yes, on there. Every pod, bloody Allardyce. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's a fixture. <laughs> and but no, and trouble is, I would say he shouldn't get another job in the Premier League again after this. But he's going to, isn't he? Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. He, all it will take. Oh, Middlesbrough will come up next season. Sack Pulis. As as is customary to do yeah. when you're a Championship club now, just get promoted and then sack the manager that that got you there. But yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think did he when he was at that City side? Yes, it was the first season they got money. I had the feeling that they were just waiting to get rid of him, like yeah. they never saw him as as a. He was just happy to be there. To be yeah. honest, I reckon. You know those stories about Man City's wage being bumped. Yeah. I reckon his wage wasn't bumped at all. Yeah, they, they put it down. And I, yeah, I said, like, in contract negotiations, they were there ready to sort of, you know, cook, cook the books to hand him, you know, 100 grand a week more or something. He's like, right, I want free use of the canteen. Um, ah, ooh. And, uh, ooh, ooh, I want my boots clean. Whatever you want, Mark. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We can we'll throw in a free car stereo. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Don't know why he's talking like he's from Yorkshire for some reason. From me. Um, yeah, I, there's something about Mark Hughes that he's not a bad manager. There's a reason why he's getting jobs in the Premier League. But recently, he's been really off the pace. As have his sides, to be honest, because that Stoke team looked dire. And I, I talked to a few Stoke fans. Um, I lived there for a year, and I talked to a few Stoke fans in about November time. And all of them said he's going to stay in the job for much longer than he needs to. And I don't think he got sacked till a is couple that, of months is that later. Is out of fear? Apparently it was because the... Order and Donor actually yeah, they're too nice. And... Apparently, that was what it is. That they were too nice and didn't... That's a lovely finish. Uh, they were too nice and they just didn't want to get rid of him. And mm. that probably cost like, their Premier League... Status. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you for the word. I can think of <laughs> their Premier League thing. Um, yeah, and, and I feel like Southampton are going down that route. I think they were one of my favourites to go down at the beginning of the season, and they still are just because of the football that they're. Oh, that is, that's a horrendous mistake from the goalkeeper. But just because of the football that they're playing at the moment is, it's just not fun to watch in, in any way. And Thomas, I, I'd be happy to see them go down just for the way they've. Just the way they've handled transfers and the way they've sort of run the club more mm. like a cash cow than actually as a, as a development project. Yeah. Southampton had the potential with their youth academy be brilliant by now. They're taking advantage of the amount of money they were getting in and really, you know, put that towards something positive. But it, it, I'd be furious if I was a Southampton fan because it just doesn't look like it's going anywhere, does it?
I'm, I'm not. I, I don't want to be mean, but that sounds exactly like West Ham. You feel like West Ham were or had the potential to be unbelievable with some of the players you guys had in the books, but you just turned into a selling club and. Maybe I that's don't, what... talking like early 2000s. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm talking. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking like West Ham like a few years ago. I'm talking the Frank Lampard, Jermaine Defoe, oh, Ferdinand, sure. yeah, yeah, that that era. Jerry Cole. Like, don't want to shift it onto West Ham. We'll come onto them in a bit. But, but it's that sort of thing for for Southampton where they yeah. they just seem to have they've gotten rid of some really good talent. I, I mean, Morgan Schneiderlin went to Manchester United. Didn't really work out there, but playing for Everton. Theo Walcott, Gareth Bale. If you look back in the past, but then even more. Even more recently, they've had so many players that that look the business and have just been sold on rather than developed. Yeah. I mean, talk about you know the joke about Liverpool stealing half their team, mm. but and there's a lot of those players that are still playing for Liverpool, starting for Liverpool. Yeah, a team that's pushing for you know the title, Champions so League. They're not they're not being sort of bought out by mid-table clubs. These are good players, and yeah, no, it's just a. Um, it's more of a shame for the fans, mm. for the fans in the club, the, the the owners. I don't think they've done, done themselves proud at all. No, it's. I mean, whilst we're talking about fans, I guess it's probably apt to mention the the Scudamore issue. That do you agree with this golden goodbye that he's getting of circa five million pounds? Oh for, yeah, yeah yeah. Are you happy with him getting that? Should have um, donated some of the Wayne Rooney Foundation money or something. <laughs> no, um, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? I don't. Who thought of it? And who? Because it's the Chelsea chairman, isn't it? Mm. Who, who's come up with this? Oh yeah, because basically let them buy the league. Are there not PR people for these clubs? Right, regardless of the ethics of the premise of it alone, how did they think this wasn't going to be more widely released? For one, yeah, because of course everyone's going to find out about it. And how did they not think this is going to be poorly received for a guy on upwards of is he on what Couple two, of mil. two million a year? Yeah, that's base salary, pre bonus, uh, performance bonus, etc., etc. How is that? It's it, it, yeah, it begs belief that they even thought up the idea. Yeah, um, if I, I mean, I am a fan of one of these clubs. <laughs> and I believe West Ham have stumped up the money, um, but for. For clubs who are claiming their their budget's tight and they can't afford to spend money on transfers, players, wages, mm. there's a couple on that list who fall into that category. And the fact that they've stumped up without question two hundred and fifty thousand is a bit bit of a slap in the face to fans. I wonder if it's out of some form of unspoken I don't, not a guilt like uh, bribery, yeah. not bribe, blackmail is the word I want. Yeah. Not, let's very clear. No one's blackmailing yeah. anyone, but I just wonder why clubs would willingly stump up that stump cash. up that cash. Yeah, I mean, not to go into specifics, but yeah, that it, it is odd. There have been clubs. I think there's five teams um, that have said no to it and and um, and said they wouldn't take part. I'm honestly not sure how it works in terms of you bastard four one. Uh, I'm not sure how it works in terms of. Uh, if if X amount of clubs say no, do they just not pay it, and the other clubs do, or does it just not go ahead? I'm not sure about that. But five clubs have said have said no, so it's it's not like a universal thing. Uh, we're coming to the end of this one. 
Well, and there it is. What, it's going to be a fantastic weekend of football, guys, because I have won <laughs> 4-1 against Danny oh, to, you... to, to match my 4-1 victory. <laughs> what was the score? 4-1 in the first, 4-0 in the first game. 4 4-0 n- n- I beat you by. It's That's absolutely crazy. Uh, didn't manage to get a prediction off you for that one. What do you think? Fulham versus Southampton? Um, the bounce, the bounce. It's going to be 1-0 Fulham. 2-0 Fulham. 2-0 film. I think it's going to be... And uh, Mark Hughes to be sacked by the end of the month. Ooh, okay. Oh, no, that's only a week. That's a week. Well, look yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, if they lose to Fulham, he's gone. You think? One of those, that's, that's what's being reported, apparently. He has, he has the Fulham games. Because, I mean, I mean, it makes sense because they are the closest rivals yes. for relegation. If, if they take three points off them, then it's not looking good for them. No, not at all. I, I, I'm going to go the other way on it. I think Southampton... Yes, they're in a bit of a weird place at the moment under Mark Hughes, but they create chances, and I think Fulham probably haven't quite blooded into Ranieri's ways. So I'm going to go 2-0 Southampton. Oh, okay. By the way, before we move on to Southampton thing, can you talk about the um, Charlie Austin thing? The post-match interview? Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But have you seen um, someone... I mean, the internet's great for this sort of thing, but... <laughs> It fits in perfectly with Blur's park life. It does. <laughs> I mean, spot on. Oh, it's so eerily perfect. It's Brilliant. so it's so good, and I have I've watched that video about five times. I think it's just great, even by itself, to see how passionate he is about it. But oh, it fits in so. The internet is is a fantastic place. Oh, if he wasn't a footballer, he would have been sectioned. <laughs> with his, with... With his black eye, all of his bloodshot eye, yeah. going all over the place. Oh, it's good to see, good to see passion, though, wasn't it? No, it's, it's always. I, I like post-match interviews that are a little bit different because you get so easily after a after a game. Well, at the end of the day, we played well, picked up three points, kept a clean sheet, and it's it's just so it's so samey. So nice to. <laughs> oh, the controls! Nice to see that that someone doesn't mind coming out and mixing it up a little bit, but. We are moving on to West Ham versus Manchester City, as much as you don't want to talk about it. What? <laughs> Was I avoiding? Yeah, it seems like you were avoiding it. How, how do you... <laughs> you are so confused. How do you think this one's going to go? Um, good. How do I think this one's going to go? Well, as I said, we finished prior to the international window in a pretty good run of form after a bit of a blip after we lost to Tottenham mm. a couple of times in three games then had a draw against, um, against Leicester, which was... Oh. Yeah. Which is actually a quite good result. But but it's not the best game to play after the international break, is it? You sort of want to ease, ease yourself into it. Yeah. Or maybe it's good to get it out of the way. Because I don't have a huge amount of hope for this game. Just the way they've been, I'm, I'm not sure West Ham are the team that's going to stop the, stop the run. No, yeah, Man City unbeaten as well, as we mentioned uh, with Chelsea. I've said that, we, we do have some qualities to... You know, to, to fall back on. To fall back on, to threaten them. Yeah. Certainly. Um, certainly with, you know, Philippe Anderson is, is, was in pretty good form. He finished, finished that period in pretty good form and I'd hope that he could carry that on. But, oh, it's going to be tough, isn't it? It's, the thing I find with City, and, and it's so difficult, you can say, yeah, you can kind of have a go at them and we can play to it. But they're still so good. And, and no amount of we can have a go at them seems to work. They seem to just find a way. 
to to get results and whether that be six nil demolitions of Shakhtar or or pretty much comfortably grinding a three one win over Manchester United, they they seem to always find a way to win. Yeah. And I, I mean, people, very few managers of with this City team have found a good formula yet. Obviously, Klopp really uh, unlocked them last year, mm. and it, Wolves gave a pretty good go at it actually at the start of the season. True. They had some success. Um, I wonder if City weren't quite organised at that point because what was that? Third, second or third game yeah, of the season, early doors, um, where City maybe quite ha- hadn't quite found their rhythm, but oh, just, they are unbelievably fluid and and interchangeable as well. I mean, you mm. can take out any number one of those City players, drop another one in. You know, the rotation between Bernardo Silva, Mares, Sterling, and Sane, unbelievable. And you've yeah. got Bernardo Silva actually dropping back a bit more now, aren't? Isn't he? Yeah. Almost playing that silver kind of role, although they were playing at the same time the other day, weren't they? He's he's getting which Martin Kieran struggled with. Yeah, he really. I was about to say the two silvers seem to be absolutely screwing with some pundits and commentators who just cannot seem to fathom the name Bernardo exists, and they just go, "He's he's the other one. Is not David. He's the other one." But um, he's yeah, and then well. Um, Kieran struggles in general but, um, <laughs> that, that, that's a given that's a given um, more so when you've got yeah, yeah, doubling up players but one one thing that I I quite think that if West Ham are going to have a, have a go at them I think Arnautovic will I mean that's a delicious finish Listen, from, is, from yeah. Antonio I'm but, now 2-0 up guys with West Ham brilliant <laughs> brilliant play he's lying uh, feel like Arnautovic so then why have you turned the audio? No, why have you turned the visuals <laughs> off, Danny? If not for sheer embarrassment. That is true. I don't I don't enjoy the uh, the absolute embarrassment. But I feel like Arnautovic is going to be the, the key man. You, you mentioned Felipe Anderson. I feel like Felipe Anderson's going to struggle against this city defence. He, he's a bit hit and miss sometimes. I feel like Arnautovic can really have a go. I, I feel like this is a game that really proves, or really could prove, the the style that Arnautovic really wants to show because I think we mentioned before City can cope with the fluid passing mm. and they can pretty much cope with any sort of high press they tend not to cope with the physical players as much no. and Arnautovic is certainly that well it, on his day I mean you use this term unplayable and it normally is referred to sort of mercurial players but mm. on, on his day he is almost unplayable yeah because one game I'd highlight is the Manchester United game earlier in the season where he, he was just some days you look at him and he just wants it he's sprinting about the field every ball's going to him he's he's link up player is great um, I do worry about his motivation sometimes there's been a bit in the uh, media this week about him actually um, him saying he thinks he can play at a higher level at a big club oh god which has been twisted because there's a lot of words from his brother who I believe represents him Okay. Um, and a few words from him. But the words have been mashed up in articles and it's hard to grasp what he said and what his brother said. But I th- mm, I get the feeling he looks at West Ham almost like a se- stepping stone, which is a bit hard to hear. Yeah. But it's not inconceivable. But I, I, well, I just hope we get the best out of him. And I'm, mm, But he's got to be more consistent, is the mm, only thing. Definitely. Because at the moment he's not for us. No. He's playing very well this season and he's been, you know, playing well 
more games on than he has off. But yeah, you certainly need to see more because the best players they have very few off days. Yes, uh, and especially when is it is it fair to say that he is your chief your chief goal scorer now? Javier Hernandez seems to. I think there's been a link a move away to Besiktas and. I don't think Mikel Antonio is quite the the player that he he showed in that one season where he seemed to be banging in all those headers. He, well, yeah, and he's more of a sort of right-sided attacking threat. I'm yeah. not sure we'd ever view him as a as a out and out striker. But yeah, it's a shame for Chicharito. Um, but obviously, because playing under Moyes, that clearly wasn't the system that suited Chicharito because it was very long ball based. As, as we know, David Boys at West Ham resorted to quite crude tactics. Oh, without a doubt. But I thought under Pellegrini, um, playing a bit more passing game, uh, Hernandez could have done better. But it's, it's not really working out for him. Um, he's had a couple. He's been reduced to a couple of sort of substitute appearances. He scored a couple of decent goals. Um, actually, one against Burnley, which was quite a good finish. But yeah. You get that. Yeah. You get. So to answer your question, yes, he is our main attacking threat. Um, whether he's sort of clinical enough for that. Because as we said, he's, he scored a decent amount of goals, but if you watch some of those games, he's missed quite a few chances as well. I'd highlight a game against Arsenal, actually, where we, we lost that game, but Arnautovic had... I mean, he could have could have easily been on a hat-trick. I know you can say, say that with some judgement. It's, it's obviously tough in those situations, but... There's quite a few games now where I've thought Arnautovic, although he scored maybe one, should have come away with three quite easily. Oh, he's fizzed that over the bar. I feel like that's always been Arnautovic's issue. That's been the thing holding him back. But he's not a striker. No. And I think that's the issue. Maybe that's the issue. That he's not an outside the board. No. But he spent his most of his career on the on the wing. Yeah. Left, he left forward. Played left mid for for the likes of Stoke and Werder Bremen he might have played up front for a little bit but there he is missing an open goal vintage vintage Marco Anatovic um, um, oh, and obviously Jesus has been relegated to bench appearance is he in danger of sort of waning a bit is he hit the ground running when he, when he joined the Premier League and it, a lot of people thought oh there you go there's, there's the long term successor to Aguero but you're right he has waned and does um, he I don't think he offers the same as Aguero at all Maybe in the eyes of Guardiola, when he first Guardiola first came in and Aguero was being dropped, I think mm. he saw him as more of an interlink type yeah. of player that offers a bit more in that regard. But I think Aguero's, I, I think he, he's a purist in terms of how he plays, but he has adapted slightly. I think he does link up a bit better with um, some of the City players than he did perhaps at the start of last year. But, um, I think Sergio Aguero, honestly, is one of the most... Mark Noble! Oh, popular on the spot. I honestly think Sergio Aguero is one of the most underrated strikers in Premier League history. Which sounds really weird to say, because a lot of no, people... No, <laughs> you cannot be underrated. Well, I don't... in terms of awards, though, he's criminally yeah, underrated. I don't feel like he's been... Yeah, maybe he gets, he gets the praise from pundits, and if, if that's what you want to be... As rated, then fair enough. Yeah, he's he's perfectly fine. But he's only ever been in one Premier League team of the season, and despite the fact that he has missed a lot of games through most of the seasons he's played in the Premier League, he bangs in goals. I I think I I'm, I don't have the stats consistent. to hand, but he plays on average 
oh, just over 50% of a Premier League season and will consistently bang 20 goals in. Which, which yeah, is incredibly amazing. impressive. And to only ever win one Premier League Team of the Season award, and yes, awards don't make a player who they are, but I, I think he is... He will go down in history as one of the greatest Premier League strikers, no doubt. But whether or not we fully appreciate... Well, his goal-scoring record alone will... Uh... We'll put him up there, won't it? Oh god, yeah. If he stays in the Premier League for another couple of years, he'll be pushing, pushing right up the ranks of Premier League goal scorers. He is one of the best, right? And that's hard to say as a United fan, but but he's been so good since he even came into the Premier League, and kind of, kind of Didier Drogba esque, who retired this week. That's why I mention it. But what Aguero's? As as in like the way he's impacted the Premier League. When, oh, yeah. When I think of. Premier League players like the likes of Drogba, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Aguero are going to be the ones that stick in my mind because that's the era that I've grown up with. Yeah, yeah, he's given us great moments as well. Drogba, what a career, by the way! Oh, absolutely wow. stunning. Like, it's he scored a decent few goals for Phoenix as well. Yeah, he there. did. Pretty sure he scored like a thirty-yard free kick to send them to the final of whatever, and that's a stunning goal from Philippe Anderson. Beautiful. Um, it's a, and a genuinely quite a nice bloke as well. Yeah. I mean, a horrible bastard to play <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I can from that sort of era of the Premier League, probably couldn't think of a player I'd like to play less oh, than Drogba. Oh, God, yeah. Makes it nasty. Um, does the dirty in the games where it's tight. I mean, I remember the first leg um, game against Barcelona, the 1-0 in the first leg of that semi-final of the Champions League. Oh, yes. League. Um, he made it very, very tough for them. Yes, he did. And by that, I mean he was going down. Oh, God. For, yeah. You know, for anything. A good 20 minutes of that game. <laughs> and, th- and that's some of the negatives that people have had to say about yeah. Drogba. But there's, the, there's some of the brilliant goals. Oh, God, the positive. If if I hear the name Didier Drogba, the thing that comes to mind is near post header. The man made yeah. a living off dominating near post headers. One. Arguably won Chelsea that Champions League. Yeah, okay, they won on penalties in the end, but he scored what oh, a ninetieth minute. It mattered and made Gary Neville cream himself. <laughs> oh, when does Gary Neville not cream himself though? Over that, well, that brings an end to that that City uh, that City West Ham game. Before we, <laughs> before we talking about the City <laughs> my West Ham game and our final thoughts. Our old Gary Didier. Neville cream himself. <laughs> In relation to the Dieter of Oh, 3-0 it ended. Two West Ham. What's your score prediction for the weekend? Unfortunately, I think it'll be the same score the opposite way. 3-0 City. That's yes. a fair. No, 3-1. 3-1. I think, think we'll... Yeah. As I said, I think we've got enough to trouble them in parts. And I'd like to see on Outovich against Stones. Because I think... Well, he's playing very well this season. He's liable to... Uh, make a couple of mistakes well thanks for joining us on this very strange episode of Game Time Plays let us know what you thought of it if it worked if it didn't work we might try it again see if we can get the rest of the guys in yeah let's do it yeah let's um, thank you very much for listening hope you have a good weekend we'll be back next week with a Premier League review of all of the goodies that happened this weekend Alan, will you be back for that? I will, is it? He will, he will. Uh, Hopefully we'll get Ryan, and I'm not sure if Tom's back from New York or if Tim is still doing university work. But thank you very much, and until next week, adios. (laughs)